Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. It's lightning round edition. I'm not going to be sitting around giving you guys a big Thanksgiving Day lecture. And I know from seasons past that only about a half of you actually listen to this podcast. But I want to make sure that half of you that do enjoy the content. So it's not going to be a race. It's not going to like break down 13 games in 10 minutes kind of thing. But we're not going to get too deep into other stuff on today's podcast. Tomorrow, Friday's show, we'll have our nice little weekend review and kind of look ahead towards the weekend episode. That'll be the, uh, I would assume, slightly more robust edition of the pod. And then we'll loop back around to Monday where a reverse chronological lightning round awaits us all. I'm Dan Basbris. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Basbris. You guys know that by now. I'd be uh, pretty surprised if there was even one new listener here on Thanksgiving Day. But you never know. So, hi. How are you? Welcome. Let's roll. Phoenix in Cleveland as we kick off our 13-game Wednesday recap. Suns winners 120-115. to I think the only uh, small fantasy notes on this game I would mention. Um, Chetty Osman, 29 minutes off the bench, scored 23 points in this ball game. But it's not something I feel will ever really elevate him above streamer-level status. Now, remember, he missed a couple of games with a back thing. And prior to that, he had actually been scoring relatively well after a painfully slow start to the season. But during that early part of the year, remember, Colin Sexton was there. Over the last month, Osmond is actually number 101 in nine-category leagues. So he's, he's closer than I think people realize. And so there's a very strong negative reaction anytime he starts to have one of these little heaters. And we've seen them a thousand times before. He goes on runs. Things look better for him. Guys get hurt. He does more. You know, Lowry Markin and Jared Allen were out for a little while when he did, frankly, most of his damage. But they were all back in yesterday's ball game. Cavs were effectively healthy uh, on Wednesday night. And he still got 29 minutes. It's not really clear from looking at the Cavs roster who might take those minutes away from him besides one player, and that's Dean Wade, who's not that great. So there might actually be an avenue here. I think we can pretty safely just call Osman more of a streamer-level type of guy and sort of shuffle along from there. And same general story for Kevin Love. You know, he... He's doing a lot of fantasy stuff in limited minutes so far this year. Very good foul shooting, taking more shots, rebounding exceptionally well. He's averaging eight rebounds in 20 and a half minutes per ball game. But that's a really tough number to keep up. Uh, again, now that everybody's healthy, he's basically not going to be clearing that 21-22 minute mark on any game outside of a big foul trouble game for Allen or Markinen. So that's... 14 and 8, what you saw yesterday, that's sort of, I mean, that's kind of like a best case scenario for him. That's what is, that's the that's the good. Um, the bad would be if the rebounding isn't quite as insanely high as it's been in those 20 minutes per game, if the threes drop off at if for any reason, 
He's been decent enough, and he's probably over-rostered. He's rostered in 46% of fantasy leagues, which is a little bit nuts. Um, but he, he is. He's right on the borderline. And he played in their last back-to-back, which is a positive development. So you can probably put him on your list of streamer-level guys, centers that'll be just kind of floating around if you don't really need a, any defensive stats out of your center, if you're punting field goal percent, that kind of thing. He actually makes a lot of sense in those types of formats, but not more traditional ones. Flip side, by the way, is JaVale McGee. On the other side of this very same ball game. he played 20 minutes. Uh, DeAndre Ayton left briefly with an injury. He came back in. He had some foul trouble as well. So JaVale got more than his normal, you know, more like 16-ish minutes per ball game. Uh, but to McGee's credit, just like Kevin Love, he's really made the most of his limited minutes. He's, you know, top 150 kind of guy in about 16 minutes per ball game. The the weird note on JaVale right now is that he's not really blocking any shots, presumably because the Suns are looking at him like, look, man, you can't you can't be screwing off with our team. We we need you. You have a job to do, and it's to protect the paint, alter shots. You don't have to block anything. But at the same time, we know enough about JaVale to know that eventually those numbers will kind of reconcile a little bit in his career in 16 minutes per game because he's done this before, sixteen minute a 16-minute role. He had an 18-minute role in Denver, actually his second year of his career, decade ago in Washington. He played 16 minutes a game. Uh, pretty much every year in Denver, he was under that mark. Went to the Lakers, played 22 minutes a game. He was top 50 in that. Next year with the Lakers, 16 and a half minutes per game. He was in. He was hovering around the edge of the top 100. Last year, uh, I guess that's 2021 with Cleveland after the uh, the trade. Or sorry, that before. Yeah, before. He was at 1.2 blocks in 15 minutes. More important than his, his fantasy rank is that when you when he gets 15 minutes a game or more, he blocks a shot or more. And he's at 0. .9 in 16 and a half minutes per game right now. So he's about a half block under his career mark, whereas his scoring is actually much better than usual in that same amount of time, likely because Chris Paul's out there just feeding him dunks. Or really anyone with Phoenix. He's getting incredible looks at the bucket. And he's rebounding well in his time on the floor because he's out there with a bunch of guys that aren't particularly good at it. So there is a weird little universe where JaVale McGee might end up a fantasy asset and certainly is one as you start to target specific categories, most notably field goal percent. And I got to think the blocks come up a little bit. I can't imagine they stay under one per game in 16 minutes. He just That's never happened to him before. Charlotte beat Orlando 106-99 game. That was, frankly, a little bit too close. Terry Rozier, seven defensive stats in this ballgame. That's a big-time wake-up night for Terry Rozier, who, thanks to one gigantic evening, has now moved to number 89 in nine-category leagues. Congratulations, he's on the rise. Cody Martin has quietly actually been not that terrible. He's in streamer zone, number 112 in nine-cat leagues. I don't, I'm not adding him and deploying him every night, but... In a good scheduling spot, makes sense in a head-to-head format, and then everything else stayed about the same out there. Same general story with Orlando. Wendell Carter Jr. Mo Bamba are kind of the only magic I trust right now with Cole Anthony sidelined. Jalen Suggs is startable in points leagues while he's been in this fill-in role. Franz Wagner had a better ball game in this one, but he's been trending down 
guy that hung around in that 75-85 range is now back near 120 because he's been well outside of that the last couple of weeks. So I think he's probably droppable or at the very least more a streamer level guy. There's a lot of dudes these days that are teetering in that streamer level zone. Lakers beat the uh, Pacers in overtime, game that I can't believe it even went to overtime. Chris Duarte hit this crazy shot flying out of bounds with one second left, or as the shot clock, or the the game clock, excuse me, expired. Uh, And then then the Pacers promptly just couldn't do anything in the OT period. And the, the doom and gloom around LA evaporated quickly when LeBron came out and threw up a 39 burger on this one. Yeah, it turns out he's still good. Uh, more importantly, on the LeBron front, his free throw shooting has been impeccable so far this year. He's at 80%. Steals are going to come down. He's not going to average two steals per ball game. Sorry. He's, he's going to get defensive stats. He always gets some, but two is crazy high. And then I've got to think the free throws come down from 80%. Although the stroke does look better right now. Problem is with these guys that, that are career not good foul shooters, when the stroke starts to leave, then they get in their own head, and then it's just this brutal run. So it's coming, probably. Otherwise, you're not changing a whole lot. Taylor Horton Tucker, as we said at the beginning of this week, he was a sell high after a couple big games without LeBron. He still played 29 minutes, but in an overtime game. And honestly, this is a big-time eye test sort of game. Remember we talked about that on yesterday's pod? If you watched this Lakers-Pacers game, THT was lost. Played bad defense for uh, most of the game. He actually, and, and frankly, a lot of Lakers actually played better defense in the fourth quarter, but just lost beyond lost, missing layups. He's deep in his own head right now. This this is, you know, I'm I'm at a little bit of a of a cresting point with THT because I I believe this is kind of a buy low because he is missing so many easy ones. But at the same time, he was never going to be anywhere near what he did those first couple of ball games. He's, in my estimation, best case scenario, points league asset, probably no chance really to be a category league fantasy player. Wayne Ellington got some bonus run because the three ball was going down. And honestly, they probably need to use him more for floor spacing purposes. Malik Monk, he's been trending up, but there's, you know, this was, this was actually a really good game for Monk, but he's number 212 in fantasy leagues. He doesn't really have a game that profiles all that well for category leagues. And he's not going to be this hot most games. So no, I'm not buying in on that. I like the performance as a Laker fan, but no. And then with Melo, he's cooled off. Not surprisingly, the shot has, I want to say, abandoned him completely. But after he shot the ball so obscenely well, he's now fallen back to number 76 in nine category leagues as the field goal percent has dropped under 45. Uh, but if he can hang out in that neck of the woods, it's not the end of the world. You can probably hold for now. Pacers, we saw TJ McConnell play better. His 26 bench minutes, he got eight assists. Finally, he was able to, to carve up a bad Lakers defense, so I don't want to put too much stock in it. Karis LeVert, still a mess. I don't know if it's the back or rust or some combination thereof, uh, but they need him to figure this thing out. And then Justin Holiday's actually been, you know, semi-decent here last couple of ball games. I don't think he gets over the hump, largely because he's not getting steals anymore. And he didn't seem like he was all that close to getting steals in this game. As those, if you see the steals thing start to happen for Holiday, you pounce. Because his value was always tied up in being a really good steals and three-pointers, dude. Uh, if you lose one of the two things you're supposed to be good at, then you're not anymore a good fantasy player. 
Brooklyn uh, smashed Boston. This game wasn't close, and it, it didn't take long either. Harden, another nice ball game. Didn't shoot all that well, James, in this one. But simply by doing the same good stuff constantly, Harden's been able to just work his way up the board. Guys have just kind of been falling behind him. Harden is now up to eight in nine cat leagues while still shooting just 41% from the field. But, I mean, the big thing for him, he's up to seven free throws a game now. That's where the value has always been with Harden, tied up in generally scoring stats, but you know, decent uh, defensive stats. All the things for him have been on the rise. Patty Mills, seven more three-pointers. Just a wonderful Joe Harris fill-in. Keep trotting him out there in the short term. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge into the starting lineup. He's a go. Still a tough ask in head-to-head with the rest days, but I think he's been good enough lately. And now with the starting gig, he's probably good enough in total. And then DeAndre Bembry's kind of the weird one. He's he's sort of filling in for Bruce Brown here. But I, ah, man, we've walked down the DeAndre Bembry path before, and we know it ends with him missing three out of four free throws in some weirdo game. He is a terrific, terrific steals guy. So I, I don't want to undersell the possibility that he could actually have some short-term appeal. Um... But at the same time, uh, I also don't want to say that he's a guy you have to race out and grab. I liked the fact that his minutes lately had gone 31, 18, 41, 23, 26. The problem, of course, was in that 18-minute game, he did nothing. And then in the other ones, he didn't really rebound. Got you, you know, a few steals, a couple of blocks for the most part. Bad free throw shooting and okay field goal stuff. I think we can probably leave that alone. Really, I do. I, I think we can leave that alone. On the Boston side, you kind of want to throw this thing out. Marcus Smart continues to push his way up the board. We called him a buy low two weeks ago when he was outside the top 100 because he wasn't shooting at all. Free throw is at like 71. Field goal is at 36. The amazing thing is that those numbers haven't come up all that much, but he has. Took a few more shots, made a half a three-pointer more. Assists have been pretty good. Steals are very high. He's been able to keep his elevated while everybody else has fallen off a little bit and you know heaven forbid his percentages actually come up a little marcus smart could be sniffing top 50 value uh the buy low is over however so oh well and then for jason tatum he fell back a little bit in this one even on a pretty serious heater got himself up to about 30 now he's back in the late 30s he'll be fine toronto beat memphis on the road uh usual suspects for the most part the one thing i want to mention on the toronto side and there's actually a couple notes in this ballgame on both halves. For Toronto, remember we mentioned on Friday's show last week that I thought if Precious Achua could get healthy quick enough, he would actually be the big winner in the OGN and OB injury sweepstakes. And you saw it in this ballgame, 17-4, and four, three threes actually, a steal, shot 7 of 11. I mean, we always knew that the field goal percent was going to come up. A center operates around the bucket. No center, no matter how completely useless their offensive game might be is going to shoot in the mid 30s when they have so many layups and dunks to to almost artificially but not I mean it's real it's legitimate inflate their field goal percent so that was always going to even out with precious the problem of course is that now we're hearing that Ananobi is actually not that far away what where did that come from they said he was going to be out a while and then magically he's now questionable for the next ball game so as much as I want to say go out and grab a Chua when Ananobi comes back, 
Precious probably goes to the bench. If not the bench, then what? Who does? Siakam? Barnes? I doubt it. Not OG, not Trent, not Van Vliet. So it's probably Precious. And then you're looking at 25-ish bench minutes for a backup center. Meh. A backup center that doesn't block shots. I'll pass. If OG was going to be out another couple of weeks, I'd say go dive face first into Precious. Uh, but no. That was gross phrasing. Uh, Jerry, uh, JJJ, solid ball game for Memphis. Desmond Bain, solid game. Jaw was solid. Dylan Brooks was decent enough. Uh, inefficient, but decent enough. And then the question I've been getting a lot of is Brandon Clark, who played 26 minutes here, and he's actually been pretty steadily on the rise. Uh, one of the problems on with Clark is that the way he's going to buttress his numbers is to get a few defensive stats. And unfortunately, so far, those haven't been there. It's kind of a good news, bad news thing going on with him. He's played 26 minutes in consecutive ballgames. And if he's playing 26 minutes, he's a must-roster guy. The fact that he's only been added in 2% of leagues over the last day is a stunning indictment of people who play fantasy basketball. Because I added him in three places last night alone, just in case. And, you know, D'Anthony Melton, we know D'Anthony Melton is out, but, I mean, that really impacts the guard rotation more than the big man rotation. And what you're seeing is anytime Memphis goes up against a team that's not sporting the world's biggest center, they're giving him a shot. And then they even got a shot against Rudy Gobert in the middle. Steven Adams is being phased out. The Grizzlies are going fast, young, and small. And for Clark, the only problem right now is he's not center eligible yet. Which is straight bonkers. I guess the assessment is that he's playing power forward and JJJ's playing center. But I'll tell you, the eight Brandon Clark rebounds and the two JJJ rebounds tell a different story. Also, I mean, I I would assume Brandon Clark's going to be the guy dealing with the big dude on the other side so that JJJ doesn't pick up needless fouls and can be more of a help defender. I don't know. It doesn't matter. In the short term, I would. I mean, we'd love to see Brandon Clark get center eligibility. I think I probably would have picked him up in two more spots if he was a center. But we don't know. I mean, he's not starting at center. It's impossible for Yahoo to say what position precisely he's playing. It's a little bit gross that he's not center eligible when the way that they assign some of this stuff. But that's the way it is right now. Regardless, in 26 minutes, he's a fantasy asset. We saw it a couple years ago. Last year, his free throw stroke was broken. If that's back, if his confidence is back, then he's a guy who go top 70 in 26 minutes a game. That He has a big-time ceiling, and right now he's doing it even without defensive stats. Add him. Go get Brandon Clark, and then, you know, throw a prayer up that he uh, gets center eligibility, because otherwise he loses a lot of his appeal. Milwaukee plastered the Pistons. No real notes on the Pistons' side. They just got crushed. Um, Frank Jackson turned his ankle late in this ballgame. He was always more of a streamer type anyway. The, the really sad story is Corey Joseph playing seven unholy minutes. Yikes. Thought he'd be an easy spot start against almost anyone, and they just pulled the plug. Detroit said, Mass, screw it. We're getting beat. The hell with it. Yikes. I'm sure he'll bounce back, but... I don't think any of us would blame you or me or anyone if you didn't have the stomach 
for another Corey Joseph streamer game. Yeesh. Meanwhile, Bucks had no problem here. Giannis, another big one. Bobby Portis, another big one. We've heard not hide nor hair of Brooke Lopez in five weeks now. The hell's going on with that big dude? Drew Holiday, he's getting his game back together. That's a really nice sign. Chris Middleton still hasn't quite recovered from COVID, it seems. But I thought the most telling part of this was that Grayson Allen continues his descent with guys coming back. And he's been really, really good. Grayson Allen is still ranked number 72 overall. But, but, I have to point to a few key numbers. First, yeah, the minutes are way down because the last two games have been intense blowouts. And if they were closer, he would probably get to do more. Uh, and if you look at those games by themselves, they don't look like that big of a problem. You know, 11, 16, 14, 3, the scoring in his last four games. Nine threes over those four games. None of that sounds that brutal until you remember that when guys were out, when Drew was out, when Middleton was out, he was going 22, 19, 25, 15, 21, 18, 6, 3, 5, 5, 5, 4 three-pointers in those games. Some steals. It was really about number of shots attempted more than actual minutes on the floor. Because yes, the minutes have come down, and yes, some of that is blowout-related. But in those games when people were hurt, he was taking anywhere from 11 to 16 shots a game. And since people have come back, it's been 6, 9, 14, 8, and 6. He's not getting anywhere near the same number of looks. And if you wipe out his three-pointers, which basically was his value on this long stream, it's pretty easy to see how fast he's trending down. So, I, you know, it does, it concerns me a great deal that he's that he's gone this direction and i i don't want to be i want to say caught with our pants down but like over the last week he's number 211 he needs usage to have value he needs to be getting those 11 shots a game and most of them are from downtown and they're just not there anymore so i think the long stream might be done we always knew there was an end date on this one he was never going to be a rest of season guy I thought it might be when Dante DiVincenzo came back, but it might be before that. So I think we can probably move on there. And that's not to say just like throw him, cast him off into the ocean for no reason, but someone's going to surface here real soon. Maybe it's even Brandon Clark. And I think we need to have Grayson Allen as probably our next guy to go. New Orleans blew out Washington. You can also kind of throw this one out a little bit. Everybody on Washington was terrible. Everyone, top to bottom. On the New Orleans side, how much fun is Josh Hart right now? Man alive. He might end up with value the entire season, even after Zion comes back. It's always about staying healthy with Hart, and that will continue to concern me. Uh, but you can't worry about that right now. Just enjoy. Utah beat Oklahoma City. Hassan Whiteside got ejected early. So Rudy Gobert played 39 minutes of this game and they were juicy man rudy now number 14 in nine cat on a per game basis not missing games again 73 percent shooting from the field right now 2.2 blocks per game even the free throws are a little bit better at 68 percent he's taking too many of them i mean you, you always knew that was going to be part of it but 15 rebounds he's been amazing Everybody's like, ah, well, you know, one-trick pony. I'm like, nah, man, three-trick pony. And a steal. 
So he's not hurting you there. 16 points, he's not hurting you there. Turnovers, he's not hurting you there. He was always that ultra-safe... I don't, like. My intention was never to be the Rudy Gobert guy, but I became the Rudy Gobert guy. Every show I was on, they were like, Dan, what are you doing at you know the end of the second round, beginning of the third? I was like, Rudy, just take Rudy. Don't worry about it. Take the guy you know is going to just camp out in there. And there he is again. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Royce O'Neal has actually quietly been not, not too bad this year. He's number 92, which basically after one really big ball game, he moves from Streamerville just barely into Starterville. He'll fall back into Streamerville. We know enough about Royce to know where he's going to end up. Uh, no, Nothing else of note on this Utah side, other than we kind of knew Donovan Mitchell was going to start to fall back. I think maybe, you know, these these little games here and there, that's all it takes. Steals are now under two. Just those little things, scoring dropped off a little bit. 23.5 points per game. Field goal percent at 43. This is still a really good marker for Donovan. Some of it's because other guys have, haven't been as good as perhaps we thought they might be. But just teetering backwards ever so slightly. He always knew it was going to happen. The question is how much. And if he can hang around in that 25 range, I still think that's a pretty big win because he was getting drafted near there. And I thought, this feels like a best-case scenario. And so far, he's kind of been at it. No Shea on the OKC side. They talked about how they're going to take the long approach with his sprained ankle, which is, you know, ham-fisted code for we need to tank a little bit better. And they still actually played relatively well in this ballgame. They hung in there. Josh Giddy is a massive winner with Shea out. Uh, I'm not sure that anyone else is a massive winner with Shea out. Do- uh, Lou Dort is going to take more shots, which is great if he's in, you know if you've got him in a points format. And he should be able to do enough in category leagues with that level of usage. You just pray that the percentages are not too terrible. I do not buy into the Darius Baisley stuff. Every time he takes a shot, you hold your breath. The uh, The more interesting player is someone we've talked about on basically every show this week, which is Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's now posted uh, a couple of double-doubles, actually. And um, you know, earlier in the week, I think the assessment we we threw on the podcast was... You pick him up, and you just sort of see where this goes. I didn't have the stones to start him in a Roto Games Cap format, but now he's gone 8, 10, and 10 in rebounds, excuse me, over his last three ball games. Um, his minutes have been, other than a 22-minute loss, uh, blowout loss to Brooklyn, 29, 26, 25, 28, 27, 32, 28. So he's been kind of hanging in that 27 range. Uh, and 13 points, three consecutive ball games, including eight three balls over that stretch. My fear with Robinson Earl is that he's not putting up many defensive stats. So despite the fact that he's he's posting some pretty nice numbers over the last week, uh, he's still just barely, barely inside the top 100. Will there be more steals? Will there be more blocks? He's another guy who doesn't have center eligibility, even though he's now, like, he's officially the starting center for that Thunder team. So Yahoo, get it together, please. Don't wait around. He's not shooting the ball particularly well. It's another thing. Like, I need him getting a few easier buckets, and I don't know that that's actually going to happen on that team. So I only picked him up in one or two spots just to, to sort of feel the thing out. My my hopes are not extraordinarily high. And again, if he got center eligibility, this would be a whole lot better. And I'm, I'm hoping to the good lords of fantasy that it does happen 
I, I don't think he's a must-own, must-start guy. I think he's a guy you pick up and just sort of sort of feel it out. He works in head-to-head because he's not hurting you right now. But he's not safely over the start line in a games cap format. I don't know what the hell happened in Houston. Chicago fell asleep. I admit I didn't watch this game live. Uh, Jalen Green got hurt. We don't really have a prognosis on him yet. He was actually having a decent ball game through a quarter. But anyway, uh, Christian Wood slid over to play center, and that seemed to help things really all the way across the board for Houston. It likely hurts Alperin Shengun in the short term, who, who had a fine ball game, I guess. I mean, still with the missed free throws, and you know, it was it was all right. Six, I mean, he did a lot in 16 minutes. We can give him that. Uh, but if Wood is now the starting center instead of Tice, you know, the, the plan with Tice was never really to play him more than about 25, 26 minutes of ball game. So there was always going to be like 20 to 22 for Shengun floating around. And now if Wood is starting at center and they've won him playing 32 minutes a game, well, the available bucket for Shengun shrinks. He's still a squat on me kind of player, which again, phrasing, Dan, get it together here. Uh, and probably at some point they'll play he, they'll play Shengun and Wood at the same time. But in the very short term, it might make it a little bit harder, actually, to squat on him. And and then with Daniel House, he just had a big, super hot game. Still only played 17 minutes, so I, you, cannot, you cannot pay me enough to care. And then Chicago, uh, yeah, I mean, just sleepwalking through this thing. Vooch fouled out in 26 minutes. He remains a ridiculous buy low. I don't know what it's going to take to get him. But with every ball game that he's not amazing, it takes a little bit less. Patrick Beverly got hurt. Uh, strained an adductor, I believe, is the latest we got on that one. Played five and a half minutes. The big winner in the short term seems to be Malik Beasley. Played 37 and a half minutes of this win. Scored 29 points. Of course, the problem with Beasley, he doesn't do anything besides score. So unless he's going very hot and taking 20 shots, which I don't think is going to happen every ball game. This is going to be a tough one to match for him. You add him, though. You take a look, see if he's floating around on any waiver wires in your leagues. He's a guy who's always been kind of over-rostered in fantasy, especially with as little as he's done this year. But you did see, you know, is there a game when when D'Lo and Beverly were both out and he played 36 minutes and scored 18 points? Uh, Makes a lot of sense in points formats because that's what he's probably going to do. And then Beverly's probably going to be gone for a couple of weeks. We know Pat doesn't heal super fast these days, and groin stuff lingers. So uh, probably give Beasley a look. Almost definitely give him a look in points formats. Um, eight cat, no. Nine cat, eh. There's just so little besides the scoring. I'm going to say probably no in nine category leagues, unless you have a weird build and you, you, know, you just need somebody to put up some points. Other news on the T-Wolves side, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, only 25 minutes in this game, picked up five fouls, but continues to really coexist well with the starting unit now. He's, he's kind of found his place, which is all hustle stats, guard and rebound, guard people and rebound. Don't worry about anything else. He took three shots in 25 minutes, and it worked for him because he got 15 rebounds and four steals. I don't know if this thing lasts all year. I don't know if he'll run out of gas playing that hard on the glass and defending that hard all of the time. But it seems almost like Pat Beverly kind of got into him. This is the spirit of the Pat Bev. So uh, Vanderbilt should definitely be on rosters now. I I had a lot of doubt because I watched him and Cat try to coexist last year, and it was just absurdly ugly. 
on the offensive side in particular. But now uh, it seems like they've just told Vanderbilt, get the hell out of the way and crash the boards. That's your whole job. Like, all right, fair enough. I, I couldn't possibly explain what the hell happened with Miami. They were just terrible. Jimmy Butler wasn't very good. He was good enough to at least not ruin his fantasy value for a night. Uh, Tyler Hero was terrible. Bam Adebayo went through a, a weird free throw yips game. I, I don't know, man. I think I'm tossing it out. I wouldn't try to read too much in it. Kyle Lowry did very little, fouled out in 22 minutes. I'd blame it on South Beach, but this game was in Minnesota. Atlanta beat the hell out of the Spurs. Uh, Devin Vassell, another injury, hurt his quad in this game. That sucks because he was playing really well. You hold there if you've got him. The fill-in options behind Vassell are not very good. Lonnie Walker, bad fantasy game. Bryn Forbes got hot, but not a good fantasy game. Best to just leave this one alone. Meanwhile, on the Atlanta side, I think the the you know Bogdan having a good ball game was nice, but the real story is uh, Clint Capella. He's he's warmed up now. He looks like himself. Kind of had to play his way into shape. We've seen a lot of guys this year just didn't come into the season well conditioned. It's a weird off season, and it screwed everybody up. Gallo has found an odd role as a free throw specialist right now, and then you know you saw what I was worried about with guys like. Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter and the, and so on and so forth, that they're just, you know, there isn't that much left over. And with Herter, you need the assists. You got three of them, so, like, close. Without the assists, there's nothing there. I think most of those guys are more streamer level, but maybe I'm too pessimistic. I don't know. Warriors opened up a big lead on the Sixers in the second half. They actually trailed by, I think, nine at halftime, so this one really pivoted on its head. On the Philly side, it sounds like Joel Embiid is getting close to coming back, which is great because Andre Drummond is not good. Sorry. Seth Curry, he's a go. Thibel, he's a go. Uh, Maxi is a go. These guys are all going to take a hit, though, with Embiid coming around and sucking up a bunch of the usage. Danny Green came back, played 17 really nice minutes, actually, in this ballgame. And you can probably use Green as long as Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons are each still out. And you might even be able to squeeze him in there um, if even one of those guys is out, but it's a little more iffy because someone like a Thibault, who's actually starting to strongly resemble Robert Covington, taking a few three-pointers at finally, you know, four or five shots a game instead of two, uh, Thibault's been amazing so far this year. He's way up the board, and nobody even seems to notice. He's inside the top 40 now, people. 3.9 combined defensive stats. This was always the thing with him. I I got into an argument with someone like two years ago, or whenever the hell Thibault first emerged, and they were like, he's going to average four defensive stats a game. I was like, he's not going to play enough this year. But guess what? He's playing enough now. For the Warriors, uh, they used their bench a bunch in this ballgame. Starters were pretty good. Bench was pretty good. And they just, you know, slowly squeeze the life out of the Sixers. No valuation changes for the dubs. And finally, the last one of a 13-game recap. Portland losers in Sacramento. Robert Covington flipped his face mask towards an official in the second quarter. He was having a bad game at that point. And then he got himself tossed. And then De'Aaron Fox got himself tossed with two argumentative technicals. Fun, fun, fun for a ton, ton, ton. They're hungry, hungry hippos. Harrison Barnes got ejected as well. No, sorry, he got hurt. Scratch that last one. Harrison Barnes got hurt. 
<sighs> injuries in the late games leading into Thanksgiving. This year we give thanks for the fact that, uh, well, nothing, because injuries happen. Dame rolling 32-10. and 10. Uh, If you want to have like a Dame tracker, I wouldn't mind. He's up to number 28 in 9-cat now. He's just zoomed right past Bradley Beal and right past Jason Tatum, and the all of the fear evaporating around Dame. This, this uh, abdominal stuff... I don't know. I mean, he took one game off, and now he looks like a, a brand new man. Nurk had a big ball game. Uh, thought Larry Nance would play better once Covington got ejected. It turns out those minutes ended up going to Nas Little in the second half, who's not, by the way, worth a pickup. And he played 27 minutes, but Covington's going to play in the next one. There's no. I promise you there's no suspension coming for rolling a face mask towards an official. No. So, yeah, be, Rocco will be fine. That's that's a really tough one. I mean, to, to play, do zero things, and then get ejected, ouch. Marvin Bagley played on the Kings side. He got 19 minutes and went for 10 and 8. He actually is a pretty good usage guy when he's in there. Problem is, he can't shoot free throws to save his life. Doesn't really get defensive stats. So it's points, boards, and a couple of threes uh, on not great percentages. What does that scream to you? It screams to me, points league! And even then, he might need to play a little bit more. There was no Rashawn Holmes in this game. So please don't add Marvin Bagley. It feels we're still a ways off from anything happening there. But the Kings did win this game. They got contributions from a lot of different guys. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, play- seven players in double figures, including Davion Mitchell, who had 16. He looked great. Bagley, 10. Harkless had a dozen. What? Alex Len had a dozen. Who? Well, keep an eye on the Kings. There may be some sort of shift in roles as things go, but for now, hold steady and enjoy a wonderful Thanksgiving. That's as much as we're doing. There's no games tonight, no basketball to worry about, no rants to do, no promos today. You guys know all the promos at this point. Oh, you know what? There is one promo. Uh, Thanksgiving risk-free Turkey Day play going crap. I think it's starting, oh, in about four minutes. All right, it's too late to do a promo on that. But 13 odds boost coming up through the weekend. Six of them are what my bookie is referring to as locks, meaning those are the plays that you just, they, they'll hit 99% of the time. And I think there's a 10 or $15 max on those. So, you know, you'll win 60 and $90 basically guaranteed on those bets. And then the other seven odds boosts are ones where they just shift it in your favor. So those might only go four and three, maybe five and two if we're if we're super lucky if it's three and four okay maybe you lose a couple of bucks those are more like 25 a piece but when they shift the odds in your favor by six to seven points in football or whatever it might be long term those are bets you got to make let's do it together odds boost this is only uh this is for everybody not just new users so if you have an existing my bookie account go make sure you're taking advantage of this stuff Raiders Cowboys that's going right now. That was the risk-free play. Hopefully everybody's got their 250 bucks on that cuz you can't lose. You literally cannot lose. Let's see if we can win 400 500 bucks this weekend at my book. Let's do it together. Again, bug me on Twitter if you have any questions about the my bookie odds boost stuff. I'm going to try to tweet it out pretty constantly tomorrow, Friday. I'll remind you again on Friday's podcast, but you know, we'll probably be 3 or 4 into the day already before the show even comes out. Regardless, Let's go take some free money together. Real cash, not promo bucks. Let's win some real cash together. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Sleepy though we may be, we will be there. Later. Later.